second ride along. Ride along part two. Exciting. Hello, great friends of the show. We're coming at you. Ride along part two. Work is over. Our work day has ended. So we thought we'd spend a few minutes here on our ride home with you. Episode three is out and about and ready for your download enjoyment into your device of choice and your podcast listening app of choice. It is, uh, I think, one of our, It's. I think it's the strongest of the three shows we've done, and um, hope you like it as much as we liked uh, recording it. We both are great fans of Saturday Night Live, which I think comes through in the uh, in the episode, and if I do say so myself, the two books that I read clearly show extensive knowledge. I, I'm pretty sure it makes you an expert. It, Lauren Michaels doesn't think so, but I do. I think I'm an expert. After reading two books. Live from New York is long. Oh, really? That's a big book. Oh, like 400 pages? At least. Jeez. Yeah. In paperback. What do we want to talk about today in our ride home? Ah. Uh, want to drown your sorrows in the World Cup? Do we need a World Cup therapy session? Uh, all I will say is that I was hoping for a better performance out of Argentina. Yeah, they were not good. Out of Lionel Messi. He was invisible for most of that game, to be honest. Uh, I, don't, I don't know. They, they drew the tie against Iceland. Fine. Not a great way to start. A game they should have won. They should have won it. They didn't show up. <laughs> Today? No. Against Croatia. Nope. Croatia uh, showed up. Croatia sure as hell showed up. And if I could quote Bruno Mars, showed out because they were uh, they were unafraid. They were daring. Now I sound like a true soccer person. They were unafraid. They're, they were daring. They played on an edge. They played not at all intimidated by who was in front of them and yeah they drew fouls but they I, it seemed like they had the attitude of like you ain't gonna call everything well they definitely weren't going to go down without a fight no nope. uh, and they put up a hell of a fight and Argentina had no response for anything no defensively offensively their goalkeeper was just handing goals to them that, his, their goalkeeper played very poorly I thought very very bad. poorly he made bad. some really bad decisions, and one of those decisions led led to a goal. And uh, who does that? Yeah, Seriously, you, that. you have you have two options. Your guy kicks it back to you so that you can get it the fuck out of there. You have two options: Ooh, either a broke the swear barrier. Yep, swear is broken. Either you get it out with a giant boot downfield, or you scoop it up. And then you boot it downfield. He did neither of those. He things. volleyed it for a perfect setup right in front of the goal. Yes. Where a a happy Croatian player was waiting, and with an excellent strike, willing and able, found the back of the net. Some might call it magisterial. That second goal was. That second goal. It was just through a crowd. It was. Yeah, it was. They that, did. Yeah, they did really well. That was a. That was. Uh, a heck of a goal. That's one of the better goals I've seen in a long time. Uh, that second Croatia goal, the the game winner, 
uh, well, the game icer, really. Um, after they scored that second goal, it was kind of academic. Uh, that third goal was just uh, Croatia taking advantage of Argentina that had clearly given up uh, at that point. Um, so, I will say about Messi, sorry to cut you off. Yeah. I will just say about Messi, I watched the first half last week of their match, Argentina's match against um, Iceland, and, you know, Messi had two shots at it, right? That He had the penalty, which, yeah, penalties get saved, I get it, but he's Lionel Messi. He's the best player in the world, or he's the 1A or 1B of best soccer player in the world, yeah. along with Cristiano Ronaldo. And when you watched on Friday last week against Spain, a much tougher contest for Portugal than conceivably Iceland should have been for Argentina. <laughs> Ronaldo scored all of Portugal's goals. and In fact, he has scored all of Portugal's goals in the two games that they've played. And I believe one of those goals was a penalty. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a game clincher, too. Which, which Messi could not hit. And then Messi had the free kick, which he skied over the net. You know, those are two shots that that if one of those goes in, Argentina is playing a different game today because they would have had the win against the small island nation of Iceland. So I think we've learned a couple of things. And this is a theme. Um, I hope some of our great friends of the show are soccer uh, people and World Cup people. If not, I'm sorry. You know, Messi in the World Cup has not been great. He has won all kinds of titles in Spain as part of uh, Barcelona or for my Catalan friends, Barcelona, um, but in terms of country, he has not been that great, and and he's supposed to be one of the better players in the world, and I'll tell you, in the World Cup, it just doesn't look that way, and the other thing that I've noticed in this World Cup in particular, the gap between what you would call traditional soccer heavyweights... And I hate to say the rest of the world, but the soccer heavyweight to rest of the world gap has shrunk significantly. When you look at teams that have been hanging around, Iceland, Croatia, um, Iran, if you look at these teams that you wouldn't think would be juggernauts because of their size or whatever, these teams are hanging around and having a good effort and, and having a good go at big teams. And I just, I think the gap has closed in world football. A lot of these countries do have players now going to bigger leagues around the world. And I think, I think that helps. You know, if you're, if you're playing in a lower league in Iran, you're not really getting experience. But if you're going to the, the uh, Serie A league in Italy, if you're going to the Bundesliga in Germany, if you're in uh, La Liga in Spain, if you're in League One in France, if you're in the Premier League in England, you're getting big time, big time experience against elite competition. And I think it shows that a lot of these countries now have people going around the world to bigger leagues and that experience is coming back. And, and, and I think it shows. And, you know, there's always that one team that has bad things happen to them. The big club shows up at the World Cup and crap happens. In 2010 in South Africa, it was England. They were a mess. It just looked like everything was falling off the wagon. Um, I want to say in 2014 it was France. France looked really, really bad. And this year it looks like it's Argentina. That coach couldn't get off the field fast enough. The pitch. <laughs> fast enough. Uh, Messi was not far behind. No. And neither the body language wasn't great. So I think Argentina's in real trouble. They are going to have to 
put the pedal down against, I believe, Nigeria on Tuesday, or they possibly could go home. And that's a big club going home real early. Well, first and foremost, if you're Nigeria, you look at Argentina and you say, yeah, we, we have a shot against them. Yes, you can hang but, with them if you, you play the right game. Your Absolutely. next game is against Iceland. So, again, you should you should still feel pretty confident if you're Nigeria. Yeah, or Iceland. Or, <laughs> or Iceland. Yeah, Argentina's fate lies within that matchup. And Croatia can just, you know, in their next game, Croatia can just skate. They don't need to do anything. I believe they play Iceland, so Iceland probably needs to beat Croatia. Croatia doesn't need to do anything because they qualified to go beyond the group stage. So Argentina could be home next week, and that's uh, nobody had that. I don't think anybody had Argentina going home in the group stage. So no, at the end of the group stage. So that's a big club to be. That's a huge potential favorite. And then, you know, however, also, too, if, if people saw the Germany-Mexico game, Germany might be in trouble, too. Defending champ, um, they've been on the world stage now for the last couple years. It's a big club, a lot of big-name talent. Two, two sides that are really struggling, Germany and Argentina, and I would not have predicted either one would be in trouble. You like to think games like those, games like Argentina-Iceland or Germany-Mexico, serve as a good wake-up call? Mm. But it for Argentina at least uh, it remains to be seen with Germany. But for yes. Argentina at least that did not happen. They no. they were worse. <laughs> they were just they're just yeah. I, I didn't know. understand what Argentina's strategy was today. I didn't understand their game plan. I didn't understand what was supposed to happen today. It was just very it is very confusing. And and for a club that has a lot of talent. Besides Messi, I mean, Sergio Aguero, if anybody watches the Premier League, Aguero had a great year for Manchester City, So, who marauded their way to a Premier League title. That title was not in doubt from, I think, like February or March to the end of the season. And Aguero was a huge part and is a huge part of Pep Guardiola and what he's doing at the blue side of Manchester, uh, much to my chagrin, being a fan of the red side of Manchester. Um <laughs> Aguero's a good player, and, and nobody showed up today. Um, it's always going to be about Messi because of who he is and his stature in the world, and, you know, he plays for one of the bigger clubs on the planet, makes a lot of money, um, and he's going to shoulder a lot of the blame. I don't know I don't know that it's entirely his fault, but he certainly didn't help himself. That penalty kick is going to haunt him because that was the difference, really, between beating Iceland and being in a different spot than now. I mean, those are the, those are the kicks that you kind of have to make if you are someone like If you're Lionel on the Messi-Ronaldo Messi level, you make those When kicks. I was watching the Portugal-Spain game, uh, and I, I think Portugal was down. Like, they were they were about to lose this game. Yes. And they had a, a penalty kick. Or no, it wasn't a penalty. It was a free kick. Uh, I want to say it was in stoppage time. You want Ronaldo taking that kick. Yes. And he Absolutely. nailed it. You want Ronaldo taking that kick. Yes. If you're Argentina, you want Messi taking that kick. Yes. Complete opposite result. Yeah. I, I don't know I don't what know. happens to Messi when he puts on the Argentina jersey, but he's not the same Messi as he is in the Barcelona jersey. And I, I it's confusing to me. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the agony and the ecstasy of f every four years. I mean, you just don't know. I mean, two years ago, I thought the U.S. would qualify for the World Cup and we'd be sitting here talking about the U.S. in the group stage. But, right? you know, they couldn't get out of their own... They couldn't get out of CONCACAF. I, I mean, you know, I'm sure the Italian side thought the Italians would make it. You talk about one of the, the stalwart teams. Italy isn't there. The Dutch... You know, I mean, I know what happened to the Dutch. They got, much like Italy, the Dutch got old. Um, which <laughs> yeah. is what's going to happen to Argentina, which is where I was going next, which is like, pardon the pun, but Messi only has a few more kicks at this can. You're talking about 2022 in Qatar, Qatar, whatever word we want to use. Um, four years, a lot can happen. And then his next shot yeah. out after that is 2026 in North America. That's a long time for kicks at the can internationally. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because they get to start all over again. The whole qualified process and everything starts all over again. You don't know. There's no guarantees. So, I don't know. Wither Argentina, I guess. Uh, if they play like... They can't play like this against Nigeria and hope to win. They're, they're in real trouble. Um, I think Argentina's going home. Um, yeah, it definitely looks like that. I did not realize how invested you were in the Argentinian national soccer team. I don't know what it is. I just have I have a soft spot for Argentina. I don't know. I'm a man without a country in this <laughs> World Cup. Well, I, yeah. I, I work obviously. I would root for the U.S. And then my uh, my major nationality and my background is Italy, so it's Italian. So I'd be I would be rooting for Italy. Neither team made it, so I'm. My loyalty is kind of up for grabs. I, I've talked about this with Sean. I've kind of gravitated towards France because um, my favorite player in the world is Paul Pogba, who uh, is French, but also uh, plays for Manchester United, who are my uh, my Premier League team of choice. Uh, I root heavily for Manchester United, so I love Paul Pogba. So I've been rooting, kind been kind of rooting for France this tournament, which is an odd place for me to be because I do. And I, I love our neighbors to France. We would not be a country without France. And the U.S. and the French have a long-standing relationship. And part of my ethnic background is, is French-Canadian. So I understand that. But I do take, those of you who know me in my real life, I do take a lot of uh, joy in making jokes at the expense of the French. So it's an odd place for me to be in where I'm rooting heavily really rooting for France. But uh, that's kind of where I'm at with it, is I'm kind of rooting for France. They seem to be doing okay. They won today. It was not remotely impressive. But <laughs> no. my feeling about the group stage is kind of survive in advance and then see what happens next time. I, I mean, the point of the group stage is to get through it. So they're doing that. Yeah, but you got to iron it. You have to fix your ship before you advance because if you don't, you're done. You don't have second chances when, once you get past the group stage. That's it. Yeah. You can't I, I mean, up. yeah, that's true. That's true. But, I mean, I, I think for... If Argentina had played like the French had played, you'd feel better. Yeah, probably. Easy to say because the French won. Yeah. But, I mean, the French are playing well enough to win. Argentina's not playing well enough to win. You can say it's not good enough, the French. Sure. It's been good enough two games now. It's been good enough. And yeah, the competition's going to get stiffer in the knockout stage because, you know, some of the lesser teams might be gone. But, you know, again, it's... It, I have not seen... I've got to be honest. I have not seen... 
a clear-cut favorite emerge yet. I would have said pre-tournament, Germany. Germany looked awful against Mexico. Now, they could turn that around this week, and we could all be talking about, you know, it was a bad game for Germany. Spain, for a brief fleeting moment last week, Spain looked like Spain from 2010, but they still let Cristiano Ronaldo beat them, essentially. There's no shame in that, but they, <laughs> yeah, they let yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo beat them. And I, I, I got to tell you, I was saying to, him, to Sean earlier in the week, I would sign up for Portugal-Spain, too, in this World Cup. That's a match I, I, I am would, not done yeah. with that game. I would like to see those two guys, those two teams play again in a sudden death 90-minute struggle. Well, this is, I'm okay with this that. This is the drawback in uh, one of the criticisms about soccer, football as a sport, is that you can end in a draw, right? It, yes. There's no clear-cut victor. And in, well, in the group stage you can, but in the knockout stage they go to the penalty kick. Right, but as a sport in general. Yes, you can, can end, end in, in a draw. You can end in draws. So, as competitive as that, and that was, to me, so far, the most exciting game to watch was Portugal-Spain. Oh, without a doubt. And it ended without in a draw. A so, yeah, there's that unknown, like, well, who is better? If we had a part two, who would win? And there's that unknown factor. So, yeah, I would definitely sign up for for part two. And if it's tied at the end of 90 and it goes to sudden death and then it goes to penalty kicks, you're Spain. you got to face the prospect of seeing Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. In a penalty kick situation. If you're Spain's keeper, yeah. In a penalty (laughs) kick situation, you're staring across at uh, the most... One of the most dangerous men with a soccer ball. So... That's, you know, there's just a lot there. I don't know. I haven't looked at the pairings, and if the two of them advanced, would they see each other again until the final? I don't know. Um, and, you know, Portugal has a tendency in these tournaments to unravel as time goes on. Um, yeah. I don't know, but I'd sign up to see that again because uh, that game has been the game of the tournament so far, uh, without a doubt. Uh, this has been the tournament of uh, late second goals. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't remember a World Cup, especially in that first couple of days, where so, so many, many goals were goals. in the 88, 89, 90 stoppage time minute. You know, the English Harry Kane scored the stoppage time goal to win. Um, there's a team that I think might be better than people think. England. I definitely have my eye on England. They're younger now. Um, they seem they have a lot of quality players up and down. Um, Harry Kane is lethal. If anybody watches the Premier League and they've seen Tottenham or Tottenham Hotspurs, Harry Kane is lethal. Um, I think he scored 24 or 25 goals this season, and he may have won the Golden Boot uh, in the Premier League. He was, he is uh, a magisterial striker of the football, and uh, I'd like. To, I'm curious to see what happens with England. I'm always curious about England in, in these tournaments, and I'll be curious to see. A lot of the older players are, are not there, Wayne Rooney and, and so on. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with uh, with England going forward. But I'm, I'm certainly rooting for the French. I've decided I'm all in on the French. <laughs> well, I hope that works out for you. We'll <laughs> because see. I mean, that's because the... after Argentina uh, goes home, uh, I too am a man without a country. Uh, and I'm not even Argentinian. That's the thing. Like, I don't know what it is. I, I, anyway, uh, I don't know who I root for after that. England, I guess, because because of my nationality. Sure, yeah. Uh, I think Portugal's been exciting to watch both games that I've seen from them. 
Are we seeing Portugal, but we're really seeing Cristiano Ronaldo, right? I mean, like... Uh, no, I... Well... All right, so no. who, name somebody on Portugal that's not Cristiano Ronaldo. I just think those... Go. I think those games have been more interesting. And I don't think it's all... I, yes, he's been the only one to score. But they've just been more interesting games to watch. So, uh, am I team Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah, sure. Am I... Would I like to see you Portugal win? World. Sure. Yeah, I don't... Fine, whatever. Portugal, sure. I mean, that's not revolutionary. I mean, he's probably the most... Prof- he may be the most well-known athlete on the planet. Probably. In terms of, like, remote parts of the world. There I are only so going... many athletes who can use one name. That's yeah. right. You know who was named after Ronald Reagan? You're kidding me. No, his dad's uh, his dad's favorite actor, Ronald <laughs> Reagan. That's Cristiano funny. Ronaldo comes from Ronald Reagan. I did yeah. not know that. Great. That's incredible. No, that's what a... <laughs> What a knowledge drop on Ride Along Part 2. My mind is blown. Yeah. I was going to do the Dusty Rhodes impression about the most recognizable athlete on the planet, but I'm not going to do it. <laughs> My mind is blown. Oh, I'm just kidding. Of course I'm going to do it. The second most recognizable athlete on the planet. <laughs> the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes. If we get pulled over, can you do that accent and pretend you're Dusty For sure. Yeah. Sure, I'll do Dusty Rhodes. No problem. Uh, wow, I didn't know that about Ronaldo. Well, that's mind-blowing. Yeah. Fun fact. I would say probably England, if, if France lost and England advanced, I'd probably root for England too. Um, again, those it's players I know. I watch the Premier League uh, every week. Uh, and not just United. I watch. Uh, I try to watch a lot of the different <laughs> games. Sure. But um, there, there are guys I know on the English team. I've seen Tottenham a few times. I know Harry Kane. Um you know, there are guys I know, and uh, it's funny to me too when I see some of these other countries. I'm like, oh, I know that guy. I probably know two or three guys on, on <laughs> yeah. Croatia. Yeah. Um, in fact, one of them is it plays for Man United. I think Nemanja Matic is uh, the midfielder. Matic is Croatian. I believe he's on the Croatian team. Um, but it's funny. I just kind of. It's almost like where's Waldo? I'm like, oh, I know that guy. Oh, I know him. Like the big striker yeah. for France is Olivier Giroud. I know Olivier Giroud. Yeah, I've yeah. seen Arsenal a few times. Yeah. So, it's funny. It's like, I know Aguero. It's like, it's, it's Where's Waldo? <laughs> I, wanna, I think Giroud's with Chelsea now. Uh, yeah, yeah, Giroud's, Giroud's gone blue. Uh, he's gone to the other side of London. Uh, <laughs> yep. uh, that's one of my favorite, I have to say, one of my favorite sports, uh, the, you know, rising sport for me is... Uh, is English Premier League football on Saturday mornings and Sunday mornings on NBC Sports. How about that, NBC Sports, for a plug? You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, no I, charge. <laughs> I love, I have to say, that's my favorite studio show. Uh, Rebecca Lowe and the two Robbies, Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl, um, and then throwing Kyle Martino. I love their um, Premier League live show. Um, I think Rebecca Lowe is tremendous. She's beautiful. She's smart. She knows the game. Uh, I'm a sucker for an English accent, so uh, it's great. I love Arlo White. He may be one of my two or three favorite um, play-by-play men in sports. The other one, as it turns out, also works for NBC Sports. I love Doc Emmerich on the national uh, NHL telecast. Uh, I love Doc Doc Emmerich, Eddie Olchick, and Pierre Maguire. Uh, That's one of my... That's my favorite three-man sports team. I just think their commentating team, uh, they're just terrific. Actually, the third favorite commentator is also on NBC. I love Al Michaels. I'm just a sucker for Al Michaels. I think Al Michaels is incredible. He's he, the the amount of sports he can do, 
I mean, this is a guy who's done baseball. He's done the World Series. He's done the NBA. He did the NBA Finals. He's done football. He's done the Super Bowl. He did hockey, and he did probably the greatest hockey game in the history of the United States, which is the 1980... Uh, the 1980 game against the Soviet Union, the miracle on ice. And he has the greatest sports call in the history of man, which is, do you believe in miracles? So I love Al. As it, so as it turns out, all my favorite commentators are on NBC. That's weird. Um, <laughs> that is weird. But they do a great job. That that over-the-top model just works out well for soccer. You know, you, you tune in at 7 o'clock. There's a game at 7. There's another game starting at 9. I love that it's 90 minutes. You can literally set your watch to it. Yeah. Um, the short halftime, like, it, everything about it really, really works. And it's stuff that, when I was younger, I used to think would work against soccer in this country. When you see how long American football takes now, and how long American baseball takes, they'd kill for soccer. You time. know, it's funny, because they, uh, they're doing the video review thing yes. in the World Cup these days. And it's uh, so much better and, and faster it's, it's than American so sports. It's so much more efficient. And, uh, oh my god, it's, it's so unbelievable. much more efficient. They buzz down, yes or no, go. <laughs> yeah. That's what it should be. Nobody has to throw themselves to the mercy of the court. Nobody has to throw laundry on the field. You just buzz <laughs> and go. I love it. I think it's terrific. And and soccer didn't want technology. Right. They fought goal line technology. They fought sensors in the ball to make sure the ball goes across the goal line. I think this is stuff that's just perfectly logical. Like, they don't want a camera and ref to decide on or offside? Fine. Sure. They don't want to add a third referee? Fine. But you should be able in 2018 to know if the ball went across the goal line. <laughs> yeah. Goal in or out? Fine. Perfect. Across the line or not? It is so much better than American football. I still think hockey, of the four major sports in America, I think hockey has it close to right. My only argument about hockey, and I know Beatrice is going to back me up, I don't like that replay can work as a time machine in hockey. And you can score yeah. a goal, you can have a goal scored, and the opposing team can challenge it based on the play was offside. I, I hate that. I just hate it. Yeah. It's killed the Bruins, so I'm selfish. I just don't like it. It's not what, that's not what replay should be. Replay should be the puck went across the net or not. It's high sticking or not. I'm also just not a fan of the offside call in hockey. I hate. I mean, I hate it. Most sports, you know, there's there's an invisible plane that you yes. have to cross, uh, and you know where it is. <laughs> hockey, I don't know. Hockey, and I get older, it gets worse. Hockey, they get it. You would think it's simple. There's a line on the ice. Yes. But then it gets into did he drag his toe? Did oh, it's it's, yeah. it's the worst was the puck all the way over it's just bad so yeah those are the two things uh video review going back in time i hate that i hate it <laughs> and the way they manage offside calls sometimes I, I hate it and I, goaltender I, interference that one they can't figure out i just i don't like that you can that you can decide a goal like that for i just it doesn't work for me i, I just it's an aesthetic thing um aesthetic sorry it's an aesthetic thing for me i just don't I don't like it. And like I said, it's bit the Bruins a few times. So it might be sour grapes, but still, I... I ah, it just bothers me. And it's it's one of those things where hockey's such a great game, they don't need that. Like, they should be encouraging scoring. They should want scoring. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Much like soccer, you should want goal scoring. Although so goal scoring seems antithetical to soccer thinking, but anyway... Uh, 
yeah, soccer, I think they've, they've got a formula that is very marketable to the American market, especially where time time is of the essence and people's attention span is shorter. I think 90 minutes makes a lot of sense. And then a time 90 minutes, you know. It's a tight, yeah, I mean, give or take a few minutes, yeah. it's it. It's tight. You know. You know exactly when that game is going to end. And yeah, sometimes it's a draw. You know what? Sometimes it's a draw. That's just the way it goes. You know, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to Matt. And Great friend of the show, Matt Deshays. First person to be mes- to be mentioned by name on the podcast. We're going to have a long line of complaints. Yeah, he's not going to that. No, he'll be fine. Everybody else is going to complain that we have not mentioned them by <laughs> name. Well, anyway, I was talking to... That was Sean, not me. I was talking to Mr. Deshays, and he's the one person that I think should really appreciate soccer. He hates it. But he hates it. No. And you know what? He doesn't have a problem with draws, and this is where I was going with this. He hates the flopping, he right? Hate, he hates that. He doesn't have a problem with draws. He has a problem with 0-0 zero, zero draws, where you watch the 90 minutes, and no one... You did nothing for 90 minutes. That's what his problem is with the draw. I, I don't disagree. The 0-0 zero, zero draw is tough. I, I, I get it. Yeah, that's tough to watch. And for an American audience, that's going to be... That's the big thing. Yeah. Because it's no mystery that the NFL has... not the popularity of the National Football League has increased as scoring has increased in the NFL. You know, you don't see a lot of 15 to 9 football games anymore. <laughs> but you see a lot of 41 yeah. 38s, which when I was younger and football was just starting to come along as being popular, like super popular, 41 to 38 was like, whoa, what happened? Yeah, something's not right. Did they play 10 on 10? Like, what, what has gone on? But now 41 38 is almost routine. Just because of the the foot the American football rules are so totally lopsided for offense. <laughs> yeah, I mean pass yeah. interference, like all of the stuff that, and we I don't want to get into football minutia. Although I'm sure you got the message today too. Training camp is a mere five weeks away. Training camp for the five-time Super Bowl champion New England Patriots begins Thursday, July 26th. So we are that. about five weeks away from training camp. I did saw, see that. I also saw the notice from uh, from the Bruins. Their first matchup is going to be against the Senators on October 4th. That's Buy their, tickets this Friday. That's their home. <laughs> their their home first game yeah, yeah, yeah. is away at Washington the night Washington puts up the Stanley Cup banner. Oh, we have to talk about Washington. Uh, and specifically oh. Barry Trotz. Oh, boy. This coach. is the sports story of the week, folks. The I head coach wow. of the Washington Capitals, Barry Trotz. Led this team to their first yes. ever Stanley Cup championship. Yes. They are they are hoisting Lord Stanley Cup for the very first time, yes. and they won't pay the man to come back for next season. Unbelievable! So what does he do? He's going to coach the Islanders. Oh, is that the move? He's going to go they, to New York. The Islanders have announced they are bringing Barry Trotz on board. How much money is Barry making? I don't even know, but I, it's I'm going to guess it's more than $800,000, which is what he was supposed to make. It's whatever he deserves to make. Uh, God bless him. I mean, he should. Uh, so I am I am ultimately... Yeah, that's unbelievable. To I don't me. know what to expect from the Islanders next season because they've completely blown up everything. Isn't Tavares <laughs> a free agent? I think so. I think John Tavares so, is a free agent. I don't know, and that they would bring him on is, is, the, is a right move. Yes. It's it's a good move for them. It's a terrible move for Washington, I have to uh, say. They really, um, they really dropped the, the puck. He's oh, very good. Uh, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, they had an, an unbelievable year. 
They had a great playoff run. Um, he's got those players to buy in. He's got his star player to buy into playing a complete hockey game. It, it, I think it's a, a, a fool's errand. And Barry Trotz is one of the better guys in hockey. He has a special needs uh, son. Um, I, I don't get it. It's the weirdest story to me. I, I, it makes no sense. Uh, that you could lowball Barry Trotz like that. Um, you get what you pay for. I have no idea who the Capitals coach is going to be next year. Yeah. I can't imagine they're going to be as good as Barry. So good for Barry Trotz. I mean, get what you think you're worth. And I believe what he was going to make if he had stayed in Washington was $800,000, I believe, which is, folks, for a professional hockey coach is peanuts. Yeah. I know to you and me, 800000 is a lot of money. Seems like a lot. But in his profession, that is not a lot of money. Having just won the championship. This is the most Washington thing ever. I cannot believe they let him go. I can. It's the Washington Capitals. Well, it was fun while it lasted, I guess. Because I don't know what they do next season either. And you know, it's funny. I think a lot of the, you know, if you're a Washington Capitals fan this year, certainly this was your year and you're excited. But don't you think their win got overshadowed by what Vegas accomplished? Uh, Vegas, like, cleaned up at, which the, is, at the NHL Awards. Which, to me, in American sports this year, Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights in the National Hockey League, that, to me, is the best story in American sports this year. Absolutely. Even though they didn't win the Cup. Folks, a year ago, Las Vegas did not exist as an NHL franchise. They had a Twitter <laughs> account. Yeah. They had a Twitter account, season ticket holders, an arena a logo, a general manager, and a coach. At this time last year, they had just started putting their roster together. So think about that. And to then travel to, they had a great season. They had, I think, the most points of an expansion team in the history of the NHL. They broke a lot of records for And they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals in their first year of existence. That is unbelievable. And even though they didn't win the Cup, I still think it's the best story in sports. And of this year, yeah, and no, no disrespect to the Philadelphia Eagles, um, and no disrespect to Golden State winning three out of four and going back to back. But man, the best story in sports this year is Vegas, and I don't know what's going to top it because <laughs> um, it's well, an amazing story. And they caught my attention. Um, I think they caught everyone's attention pretty early on. I was once the Bruins get eliminated, I was rooting heavily for Vegas. Against teams that I would probably have rooted for. I would have rooted <laughs> yeah. for Winnipeg under any other circumstance. I'm all for a Canadian team winning a Stanley Cup. It's now, I think, 25 years since a Canadian team has won a Stanley Cup. I think the last Stanley Cup winner was Montreal in 1993. They beat Gretzky and the, and the LA Kings. Um, Did Vancouver have a cup more recently? No. Vancouver's never won oh, it. Jesus. Vancouver made it in 94 and lost to the Rangers. And then they made it in 11 and lost to the Bruins. In That's seven right. games. Yep. Um, no, Calgary has won the cup. Uh, Toronto, but not in... I think Toronto now it's 50 years. I think it's sometime in the 1960s where Toronto won a Stanley I want to say 1967 is Toronto's last Stanley Cup. Uh, Ottawa, to my knowledge, has never won it. Um, Montreal, obviously, they're the most decorated franchise in the history of the NHL. Um, but yeah, no, Vancouver has never won the Stanley Cup. They've come close, but they've never won it. 
Winnipeg, uh, I don't believe, has ever made it to the finals. No, uh, no. <laughs> I don't know that they've ever even really. Won I think this a might have been their game. first year in the conference finals, to be honest. So, I always root for the Canadian teams, but this year I really couldn't root against uh, Vegas. And I have to say, um, I was in Vegas last summer, um, a couple of weeks. Uh, removed a year ago, I was in Vegas, and I have to tell you, the excitement was very palpable there um, for the Golden Knights. The week I was there, their team store was going to open um, after I had left, and there was just a lot of excitement. Um, I was saying to my wife a couple months ago, "Man, I wish I wish I had had some foresight. I'd have bought a Vegas T-shirt." Uh, I know yeah. because the st- I have to admit, the stuff looked pretty cool. It's a great logo. It's a great logo. It's a stupid name, but it's a great logo. It's a dumb name, but it's a great logo, and it looks great on a t-shirt. And their secondary logo is good, too, the the sword with the sword. Yes, but they had a ton of stuff in uh, all of the casinos have a plethora of stores, and all of the casinos I went to, uh, they had Vegas uh, Golden Knights merchandise, specifically Caesars. I spent some time in Caesars Palace. Uh, one of the nights I was there, I, I did a little gambling, and I, I went to... My wife and I uh, did some gambling, and we went to the buffet. And uh, Caesars had a huge spread of Golden Knights merchandise in their very large store. And I kicked myself. I got something for my dad, because he texted me and said, Hey, if they, if you see a, a, a Vegas t-shirt, I'd, I'd love it, because my dad's a huge hockey fan. Uh, he loves the Bruins, but he's he's a fan of the sport. Yeah. He watches college hockey. He went to Providence College in Providence, Rhode Island, and uh, I grew up with Hockey East. I grew up with Providence. They won the national championship in 2015. They are, I believe, the smallest Division One school to ever win the Division One uh, men's college hockey national championship. You, you have just lost all the listeners. I, I have. <laughs> listen, folks. My father is a huge sports fan. Um, he was my little league baseball coach. He loves baseball. He's kind of cool to basketball, but he watches basketball. He watches football. He was an original Patriots season ticket holder when the Patriots moved to Foxborough. He uh, is a huge Bruins fan and huge hockey fan. My, fa- I'm a sports fan at all because of my father. Um, he, you know, his sports credentials are for me. N- nobody. My dad's incredible. He loves his school. He's a huge Providence guy. He loves his school. And I have seen the Patriots win every Super Bowl in his presence. Sorry, I've seen them win four out of five in his presence. I was not at his I was not at their house for the Atlanta win. But we were there for the first three and we were together for the Seahawks. I I was with him for two out of three Red Sox World Series, including 04, which everybody will tell you is the one that means the most. Uh, and we watched the Stanley Cup together. We watched the Bruins win the Stanley Cup together. He was not more excited than when Providence won the national title. <laughs> this episode not brought to you by Steve Garoni. Uh, <laughs> great, friend, great friend of the show, Steve Garoni. Or Providence College, but uh, he was over the moon for his school winning the national title in hockey. Here's the last thing I'll say about the Golden Knights, though. Uh, because they're another big question mark for me. Their roster's going to change up oh, a little bit. 100%. So I don't know what's going to happen there. But there's one thing I do know is that they're going to ride this momentum. I, I hope so. I don't think if they're slowing down next season. I hope so. And I'm sure none of our great friends of the show are Vegas Golden Knights fans. But if we are, <laughs> if we are reaching the Vegas Golden Knights fans, and this is something I've been wanting to say, 
you know, the national media wants to believe that you guys are going to go away next year. Because, you know, potentially next year is not going to be as great as this year was. My feeling is I've seen you guys on TV. I've heard you guys on TV. I hope you guys keep keep on keeping on. Like, bring the same noise every night. Bring that same energy every night. I want to. I hope the Vegas thing works because it only makes hockey healthier. Yeah. It only makes hockey better. And I love hockey. I love the National Hockey League. Um, I think hockey's a great game, and uh, I want to see the game grow. And um, like I said, having been in Vegas and then having watched a few Vegas games, I hope that I hope the fans keep showing up. Yeah, maybe they don't make it to the Stanley Cup next year, but you're building something. Yeah. You're in the process of building something that could really, really over years, plural, be great. I mean I can see I can see their I mean, they've they've completely outdone themselves in terms of showmanship. Oh, that's that pre show is phenomenal. I they breathe life into that crowd every single night that they play. That show is so quintessentially and Vegas. I wish that other teams around the league would maybe take a hint. Yes. Uh, and put on more of a show. Yes, one hundred percent. Make it a little flashier because the the league craves stars, and you're gonna have to build you're gonna have to build the show for those stars to hundred percent. You need the platform for the stars. Hundred percent. I don't know. That's all I got. <laughs> and uh, as I look at the old clock, we are uh, approaching our uh, places of dwelling. Yeah, we're deep in Winchester. Now. We are deep in the woods of Winchester, Massachusetts. Great, great town, Winchester, Massachusetts. So uh, this has been a ride along episode two. As we said at the top, episode three, all about Saturday Night Live, is out now. Uh, it's available on iTunes, Google Play, Anchor, iHeartRadio. Are we on Stitcher? We're on Stitcher. Stitcher. Um, you pretty, guys know where to find pretty it. Pretty much everywhere, yeah. You guys, you guys know where to find it. Keep hitting that subscribe. We would love a five-star review if you could give us one. Uh, we are at the beginning stages of planning episode four, so we'll let you know when that drops. I'm sure we'll see each other again for another ride-along here in the near future. Until then, Jeff Caroni. And this is Sean Beecham. And this is Wanted by None. Have a great evening and have a great rest of your week.